mean, you've been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting In Work, episode 123 of the interview podcast on the 8-Bit Collective. I'm your host, John O'Peck. We are powered by Audio-Technica, and this week we have a very audio-centric episode where we're talking to Nathan Plumridge, singer-songwriter. He's just released his first EP. It's called Sustainer, but Nate's been playing music for literally... His entire life, it feels like. I've known him since he was maybe 15 or 16. He was playing guitar in church and really blew me away from an early age with how great he was, how naturally gifted he is in a creative sense. And he's been playing, touring with bands since he was like 17. And now to finally put out something that's his own, he's gone to Nashville to record and produce this EP. It's, it's a pretty special thing. So I thought it'd be great to get Nathan on the show to talk about that experience, how it's all come together, but also some of the kind of emotional stories behind what's inspired this EP and why it's coming out now. I always find it interesting to talk to a musician about the creative process and when someone has been so involved in a release in every aspect, you know, sometimes you might talk to a drummer, but they can only really talk about the drum parts or you talk to the guitarist and they haven't been involved in the mixing but Nath really has been very hands-on with this working closely with a producer over in Nashville so I thought it was a really good insight into what it takes to kind of from start to finish release a bunch of songs that have been produced to be played on the radio and have that real polished feel so if you want to listen to Nath before you listen to the podcast you can check him out on Bandcamp and Spotify iTunes it's Nathan Plumridge and the EP is called Sustainer but for now here he is enjoy the show Nate, thanks for joining me, coming into the studio. It's good to have you here. Absolute pleasure, mate. It's been a while. It's been a long time. Yeah. I'm saying about a year since we've probably seen uh, each other. Yeah, and before yep. that, it could have been like five or six yes. years, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we've got a lot to catch up on. But we kind of go way back to when you were probably like 15, 16, playing guitar in church, yep. like 2006 to eight when I was running in those circles. So yeah, totally. It's good to see you here and good to see what you've been up to because I kind of been following the whole Plumridge family from afar. You've all had your own yep. little projects yep. working on. You're all busy boys. What's so going on? Yeah. Who's the busiest? I don't know. The busiest? Oh, man. We're all <laughs> all competing in that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All different fields, I guess. Yeah. Like, I'm obviously the more music. Um, yeah. Both those boys, Caleb and Jake, they're into all things film. Yeah. But Jake sort of does more the um, anything from adventure stuff yeah. to... So he's done like Africa, filming the wildebeest oh, over yeah. there. He's oh. d- at the moment doing... Um, rostered on a series mm. for netflix and stuff whereas caleb does a lot more marketing um sort of in the professional world yeah. um business kind of stuff so it's yeah pretty so cool. it's good good variety between us all yep. yeah good when you can kind of come together and and work together in some way i think that you've probably done a bit of that on, on this ep totally yeah yep yep so caleb features uh, on piano he's a, also a muso mm. and um Oh, we can talk about that story later, yeah. but um, also sort of co-wrote a song as well. Uh, and then Jake did all photography for, yeah. for the artwork. And <laughs> so a bit of a team effort cool. for sure. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you must have some proud parents. <laughs> <laughs> Look at our boys. Yeah. So uh, for, I guess, the backstory, the origin story of Nathan Plumridge, the musician, how long mm. have you been playing music? Because like I mentioned before, I met you when you were probably 15 or 16 and already you were fairly accomplished from my perspective you were playing guitar on stage in church you were showing some leadership from that age and i remember hearing that you had like a perfect ear or something like uh, perfect perfect pitch wow you <laughs> not me i actually don't try to tell too many people that but perfect pitch is actually a, a thing superpower and, what's that superpower yeah oh totally 
So to answer your first question, I, I first picked up a guitar at seven years old, mm-hmm. and um, I got lessons straight away from Rod Gear actually and Matt Jacoby. So two Ooh. two musicians from the band Sons of Cora, and they just taught me two very different styles mm. than I probably you know naturally you sort of pick up the rock and roll stuff. But I learned a lot of Spanish and um, classical kind of stuff from Rod, and then um, Matt was the first electric. You know, he put his electric in in my hands, and I was like, wow, this is cool. So we did some <laughs> rock and roll stuff and. It was really good to sort of set that base um, as a musician. And shortly after, I kind of discovered this, wait, I'm listening to the radio and I know I know what key that song's in <laughs> and I could just play it straight away. And then that, that's kind of gone with me ever since. And we used to do these tests at school as a joke, like someone would sit on the piano and I'd have to close my eyes and they'd hit a, a note. <laughs> and, um, and I would pick these notes probably eight times out of ten and I haven't done a test like that lately, <laughs> but it's... It's like a superpower, but it's also really annoying because you're listening to the radio, you're like, oh, yeah, that's in D. And you're kind of playing along, D, B minor, G, whatever. It's like, what? It's just the weirdest thing. Yeah, so. even want to. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. I find that when I pick up a guitar, I can kind of get pretty close to the key fairly quickly, but like the chord changes and stuff, it's definitely not at that level. So you've, uh, you've got something going there. That must be useful like it must mega. have some practical application mega useful yeah yeah, yeah. in all sorts of weird ways yeah. like it's even annoying like you hear like a hum or a buzz or some dog barking and you're like man that's annoying that f sharp it's just like <laughs> whatever it's like why aren't you barking in g or, that's funny what's the typical doorbell doorbell oh well <laughs> it's like no. a, you know it's two notes so two notes true true unless you got one of those like full melody doorbells mm. and it's real heads is it like a fifth and an octave no, I don't yeah know. <laughs> all the octaves and uh, yeah. yeah anyway yeah i'm sure that's coming in handy when you're writing music but mm. we can get into that process a bit later so you're, you're doing the guitar lessons and when did you actually get to the point where you were able to kind of play in a band or mm-hmm. perform, whether it was church, home, or school, whatever it might be. Yeah, school was pretty early on. Like, I was just always on a guitar for some sort of assembly or whatever by the time we could string together three chords. Mm. And then church, I was, like, playing every week since I was 10 years old um, and pretty much right up till now, 28, <laughs> is uh, most weekends at church. And um, that was probably the, the greatest training ground. Mm. just to be constantly playing and with different musos and that kind of thing. And um, they've kind of all developed from there. So yeah. yeah, it's interesting you think about, like you often watch Australian Idol or X Factor, whatever these shows, and you you get the pretty high ratio of, of people who started singing in church, like Beyonce started singing yeah, in church, all yeah, these yeah. people. And it is really, like you mentioned, a good training ground. And I remember talking to um, my my friend Ilya, who used to play drums with me and, He's playing in bands now, like even years and years later, talking about other musicians he plays with being nervous at gigs. And he's just like, I've been doing this since I was 12, like That's every it. week, every Sunday. And totally. you don't think about, a, it's not a performance at church, it's just playing music. And, mm-hmm. you know, even when you're a kid and maybe you're not keeping time right or you yeah. play a wrong chord, like it's a pretty forgiving audience as well. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but it gives you that chance to kind of really hone your craft and... Mm. And week in, week out, different people, it's really quite a unique um, place to, to be learning. So, yeah. Yeah. And it kind of teaches you, I think, as well, like you're working with different musicians every week. It's not the mm-hmm. same people. You have to adjust to different people's styles, whether it's the, the person yeah. that's leading the music that week. So, yep. all good skills to have, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. And you pretty quickly learn how to sort of leave space or fill space where you need to. And 
there's kind of other dynamics other than just playing the four chords that you need to play. It's, mm. it's so much more than that. So yeah, yeah, like reading the room and all totally. that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So from as far as playing in church and that kind of thing, when did it become mm. something for you that you were working on outside of, of the Sundays? Like as far as writing music and performing and that kind of thing? Mm. Yeah, it was never a... Uh, never a chore for me in terms of playing guitar or learning like mum dad would always say they'd almost have to rip me off the guitar and stop <laughs> practicing through the week so it was always something I was doing and loving but particularly in those kind of teenage years 14, 15 upwards I started to to really put pen to paper and um, I was playing a lot you know whether it's school church events whatever playing heaps but then yeah sort of in that 15 to 17 you know I started singing and and then that kind of opened up the whole songwriting thing and um and the singing sort of progressed from there too so yeah probably teenage years is where it all kicked off Mm. Mm. and what was the kind of mindset because I know like me and every other teenage (laughs) kid with a guitar is like I want to you know play in the next fallout boy or whatever it is at the time like you want to be a rock star but was that something that was on your mind at, at that point or were you all about like you've just put out a worship album was that the were you that focused from that early yeah i mean i always had certain inspirations i remember going to a church conference when i was like 14 there's a guy henry Seely, who's like my absolute hero and that mm-hmm. kind of really he just i just watched him playing and, and singing and i just like man i was so inspired and that really like lit this fire in me i was like man I, i've got to do that and and then sort of doors just opened really organically. Like when I was 15, it was pretty amazing. Um, Justin Michael, the lead singer of the band that I soon was to join. Compliments um, of Gus, we'll give him a plug there. Compliments of Gus, that's right. <laughs> um, that's another story altogether. But when I was 15, he, he sort of, he um, just released his own solo album and said, I'm going to Queensland for a weekend. I want you to come as my guitarist. And I'm 15 years old. I'm like, what the <laughs> heck? So, so I went up for this weekend and we played... Um, at a couple of events up there and then I like, went to Dreamworld and whatever and then back to school and then Monday I'm like, what just happened? And and that was really a catalyst for, for many more of those weekends to come. Mm. Yeah, I forgot that you were part of that group for a while but I remember watching you guys play like a festival in Mildura when I was working there. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, what was it like playing with these guys who've been like literally touring and recording albums mm. for like probably a decade or more at that point? yeah. Nuts! Like these guys are ten plus years older than me. Um, each so they it was when I was seventeen. I, I got this call up from Jared, the keyboard player, and he was like, "Hey man, my wife Beck, the bass player, just fallen off a trampoline, jumping with the kids, broken the arm. We've got a gig. It's like sixteen hundred people in Brisbane in a couple of weeks supporting a band called Casting Crowns. Mm. Do you want to come play bass?" And I was like, "Excuse me." It's <laughs> like, uh, "Yes, I'll do that." So it kicked off from there, and and Beck. Um, started having they had um, another couple of kids after that and and just kind of wound down the bass playing so I ended up being the bass player of, mm. of this um, established band and I was just like what the heck doing these weekends away and meeting a heap of people um, you know all over the country it was really quite amazing and then we got another bass player on board and I ended up going on to a second guitar and and seven years later I was still yeah still part of that that band pretty cool (laughs) yeah that was and again another thing just stumbled across my path it was just amazing yeah yeah Yeah. so from that early kind of inspiration to you know do what you saw henry seeley doing at that conference Mm. is that what's kind of focused you on in the worship path is that what you'd say or was there 
points where you're like, you know, what kind of career musician could I be? Could I be a touring artist? Could I be mm. a sessions musician? Like, what were the different options and how did you kind of mm. pick the way to go? Good question. I This particular project is a, definitely a worship project, but I would say I'm not definitely not pigeonholed to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really passionate about the songwriting and stuff too. And oh, as an artist, I'm still figuring out what that looks like for me, whether I, I do the artist thing or is that just part of the the profile, you would say. Like, I, I know a lot of people, they'll write for other people, which I'm also working on, but um, then doing the artist thing, then church thing. And, and I think it's a bit of everything, yeah. yeah. But this particular project, I wanted it to be, um, yeah, quite quite more in-your-face worship yeah. Um, album, yeah. That's yeah. cool. And I guess it's like <clears throat> some people would think like, oh, you have to like manage your brand and like, make sure that everything you do is working towards whatever your vision is. Yeah. But do you think that way or do you think like you just want to do whatever you feel like doing? <laughs> Pretty much. That thought definitely comes across my mind going, oh, um, you know, like you've, you've got you've got this brand and this image and people think of this and that. Man, but I'm like, if I'm still figuring it out, then how am I supposed to know exactly yeah. what that looks like? I'm, I mean, I don't have any manager. Or, like I'm an independent artist and mm. I'm starting to build a team around me, but... Until I'm being told what I have to do, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And, um, it's not a lot of money in it, so I'm not sort of answerable to anyone. I'm yeah. Just, yeah. So this EP, is this your first kind of uh, kind of release that's all you, essentially? Yeah. Yeah, first proper, legit, like, CD album kind it's, of thing. Like, done a bunch of... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> done a bunch of solo songs in the past some on spotify and all that but mm. this was like the first project of like a collection of songs um yeah so yeah when i went over to nashville last year and that's probably jumping ahead in the story a bit there <laughs> but that that's how this all um this kicked off this project so. yeah mm. so why now like like what kept you from doing this like multiple times before now was it just that this was when the songs and the inspiration hit you as something you wanted to release as like a collection of, of music Mm. Yeah, I'd been writing on and off and not, not taking it super seriously. I just kind of writing when I felt like it. And the past few years, I, I went to Nashville. Um, firstly, that, that hero I talked of, Henry Seeley, had actually started a church over in Nashville, moved from Melbourne over to there. And I went over the first year because they were running a conference and I thought, oh, I'll just go check out what's going on. It mm. happened to work out in my holidays from work. And, and it just blew me away, like, that place is crazy when it comes to music it's just like alive yeah. so much going on it's got a reputation for sure yeah. yeah i mean you're talking like every genre people pigeonhole it as like country or christian but man it's all happening there yeah. and um so that kind of blew me away and just really inspired me and opened my eyes to wow there's a lot going on and so i went back so it's been three consecutive years i think this will be my fourth coming up in september um, just a month at a time and um, I just gradually building um, networks of friendships over there and songwriting circles and stuff and I particularly hit it off with this one producer about my age and um, he's up and coming just trying to push full time into it and I just hit him up and I said mate I'm thinking of coming back next year I want to um, I want you to produce my stuff because we'd written some stuff before and it worked great I was like I think we've got a good partnership here you know if, if we actually lock in some time mm. I'm thinking five or six songs. What do you reckon? And he emailed straight back saying, I can't believe it. I was just, just been thinking this week. I really want to push full time into this, but I need some openings. And it was just like, well, here we go. Let's do it. <laughs> and so last year, June, July, I went over, um, spent, we spent three weeks 
just flat out recording um, and finishing writing. So we'd written a bunch of email and ideas, both of us contributing, and then yeah. um, just went hard for three weeks and barely had a voice by the end of that. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, we sort of had these six songs and by the end of that, so it was That's cool. It was pretty cool. Yeah. I had a bit of a listen on Bandcamp today, and it's, it's not like you just sat down with an acoustic guitar and bashed out like some, you know, some folky ballads or, or whatever. <laughs> like it's um, there's a, a lot of like instrumentation and, and composition going on there. So is that something mm-hmm. that you've just plucked out of your own brain, sitting at a whether it's a keyboard or whatever it is to, to put this together, or is that something the producer's got a big hand in as well? Yeah, big hand from the producer. That's particularly why I worked with this guy, Tyler, because um, he's got a great pop sensibility, whereas my background's more rock. Mm. Um, I'd happily just, you know, just pick up an electric or an acoustic <laughs> and just... Shred. Just bash out a song, you know. <laughs> but I really wanted this to be... I mean, you can test this for yourself if you're listening, but I wanted this album to be... to sound like a rock band with a pop edge kind of thing. So mm. kind of like your One Republic in, in that kind of zone. And... Um, so I hit this guy up because I know he's got this amazing pop sensibility just in sounds and um, beats and things like that. So, and just like hooky melodies. And I was like, no, I'll, if we're going to send stuff to radio, it's got to be stuff that radio are going to play. Mm. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of why I particularly worked with him. So. Yeah. And is that like difficult as a musician that's written probably a lot in the past and, you know, you probably think you don't need help but you've gone to someone and kind of given them part of the you know you've handed the reins to them in a sense yeah along the way yeah and it's like a a a new friend as well you know you you, you're sharing these songs and and you're opening them up to uh other ideas and it's kind of a little bit exposing like man that's it's not how i would have thought but yet it's like that whole you sharpen each other and, mm. and I'll have this idea and he's like, oh, never would have thought of that and then vice versa and, and in the end, you really can come up with some really cool stuff. There's points where we're just like laughing in the studio like, what? How did we come up with that? We never would have thought of that but our powers combined, you know, that kind of thing mm. and yeah, so if you, as a writer, if you can be vulnerable enough and willing enough to kind of put on the plate and and be like, all right, we're sharing this, we're working <coughs> together, um, you can come out with yeah. some real gold. Yeah. That's cool. And that kind yeah. of extended to Caleb as well. Like I saw that video mm-hmm. you guys threw up about kind of him helping yeah. you out on a song and like mm-hmm. the story behind that I thought was quite powerful. So it might be worth just sharing yeah. it. But is there like we can talk about that song as well, but is there a theme for the whole EP you find that runs through it and is it connected to that song in particular? Yeah. Yeah. So that song is called Sustainer, which is the title track of the EP. And that was one of the earlier songs. Yeah, so one of the first songs. And straight away, as soon as it was written, I knew that was going to be the title track of the EP. Like, mm-hmm. I summed it up. Um, long, long story short, um, my brother, who is 30 years old, Caleb, um, the the producer, video guy who happens to play piano, um, he was married about a year and a half ago. And his wife, Elise, uh, got breast cancer and just passed away last June, July, around the same time that we, you know, did all these songs and um, crazy traumatic time, really, really difficult. Um, but at the time I was working on this song, you know, as an artist, you like, you feel a bit helpless, but hmm. you can just sit at the piano or sit at the guitar and sometimes just singing is a therapeutic way to go about it. And so I had this, um, it was from a Bible verse 
you know, a song of, of faith and that, that God would sustain us basically. And, um, so I was kind of just jamming this on the piano and it was, it was kind of helping me through it all. And then one day I went to my brother's house and he was caring for Elise at the time, full-time caring for her. She couldn't leave the house and trying to be a boss and a full-time worker as well. And, um, and I remember she was so unwell that we couldn't actually go upstairs to where she was on the couch to see her because she just couldn't handle seeing mm. people at the time. So I, so Caleb came down to see us and he's got a little piano room down the downstairs there and, um, and he kind of sat at the piano stool and I was like, oh man, while we're sitting down here, why don't you just jump on and start playing? Here's a bit of a song I was working on. And um, yeah, long story short, about three minutes of playing and and his piano part really set the... Um, set the pace for what this song would be it's kind of almost like a hymn like sounding song and um yeah so that's kind of what what birthed that song and and it's pretty special that once we'd finished all these recordings including sustainer in nashville got it back and we're mixing it in a studio in melbourne and it was just kind of like it was missing a little bit of the icing on the cake that song and and it was that it needed some real piano and so they happen to have a grand piano in the studio so i got caleb straight up to melbourne and the piano that's on that song is um, is my brother playing, and yeah, so it's a really meaningful, special song. Yeah. I think yeah, that's awesome, and I'm yeah. sure it means a lot to Caleb to be able to be part of that because yeah, you know he's I mean he's always been a, a musician and someone that's probably dreamed of recording and that kind of thing. So to be part of that yep. with you would be pretty special too. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, and he's a great muser too. Yeah. So it's <laughs> his feedback and advice and having him part of um, the whole project was, yeah, pretty cool. Mm. And he's actually playing on any all the live gigs that we're, we're doing oh, around nice. the place as well, which is pretty cool. So. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So what's been the response, like getting to the point of releasing that EP? You must have been feeling, you know, mm. the anticipation, the nerves, the how's it going to be received, I'm guessing? Yeah, definitely. Especially because radio... It's a personal thing too. Yeah, yeah. And radio was in the mind radio was in my mind from the start of like, I, I want these songs to be heard. Mm-hmm. Um, cause a lot of the stuff I'd done in the past was just kind of in the bedroom studio, whack it up. If, if it gets 10 plays, cool, that's fine. <laughs> but this, I was like, no, I'm investing in this project. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I, I want it to spread, which is, yeah, it's kind of a weird thing that the whole idea of promoting your own art is mm. cause you're putting it out there for people to judge, you know? And, yeah. But it's been received really well. The first single particularly called freedom, um, did quite well on radio across Australia, which is great. And it was in the top 30 in the Christian charts for about eight weeks, I think. Um, got up to about number 20 or something, which is a first for me. I was like, well, this is cool, you know. As a solo artist, it was like, oh, wow. And, um, yeah, the other songs are doing really well as well. So it's it's cool to hear stories of people like, man, I was you know, a lady in America. It was a friend of a friend or something. was going through a hard time and listened to one of the songs and it really helped them. And I was like, man, it it helps to make it all worthwhile yeah, when you're hearing awesome. real stories and yeah. yeah it's a probably a funny thing because <laughs> like everything about i guess playing in church is it's not about you and then it's kind of like you obviously you want this to get heard so it yeah. becomes a bit more of a the promotional machine and kind of pumping yourself up and it's probably hard to switch that on and it's probably just not natural for you to do that right yeah oh man <laughs> i was just talking to a friend today about this to be honest, I actually hate the whole social media thing and <laughs> this whole idea of we've got to promote ourselves and try and get the most hits and likes and we're boosting posts and all this. I'm like, this is just the worst, but it's what has to be done. If you want people to hear your song, you, you've got to um, 
you've got to get it in front of mm. their face, basically. You've got to get it, um, get it out there, and it's just part of the. <coughs> It's the nature of the beast, unfortunately, mm. you know, um, yeah. <laughs> got to kind of do that promotion thing. And yeah, I, I, I like to be someone that sort of isn't always up front. Um, so I liked sort of playing in compliments to Gus, just being that guitarist yeah. and to now be the, the guy, the name, you know, the front cover of the album is, yeah, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't love it to be honest. It's, um, yeah, it sort of almost comes at a cost, you would say. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like... <laughs> It's almost like a, sen- a a different weird kind of humility where you have to actually boast. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like the, the opposite of what being humble usually means. But it's it's, <laughs> it's it's humility in the sense that like it's natural for you to do this one thing, but you have to do something different from that. And I had the same experience when I wrote my book. It was like. Mm. It's so not me to ask anyone to spend money on anything. Like, oh, you know. it's weird, isn't it? You just want <laughs> but, to give them all away. Yeah, like, but, but then it's like, well, you put all this work into it and it's only going to really happen if people support it. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like you humble yourself to say, I need your support to yeah. make it happen. Yep. So definitely. It's a, yeah, it's a weird kind of humility where it's like <laughs> pumping yourself up, but also putting yourself at the mercy of the yep. the market and the audience. So, yeah. Oh, weird thing weird dichotomy there it really is yeah yeah but <laughs> it's the way it has to roll <laughs> yeah and i'm sure you'll it'll get more natural to you you've got some good mentors there with justin and yeah. other people who've probably been there before that's it yeah you start to build a team around you which which helps a lot sort of you can spread the load just a lot behind the scenes when it comes to organizing things and um it's just so much like i've learned a lot in this project mm. of to go a year ago what's happened in a year to get six songs onto a disc is so much work but mm. um the more people you've got around you the, the better the process yeah. that's yeah. awesome so does this give you ideas for what you'd like to do next or are you still at the point of like just focusing on this one and yeah kind of seeing how it goes and, and where it takes you yeah yeah it's kind of in the back of my mind going okay so this is done then then what once this is kind of all yeah. out and um so i honestly don't know yet i'm going back to nashville in september so i'm spending yeah about two three weeks just flat out trying to write as many songs with as many people as I can, whether they're for me or not. Mm. I, I'm not sure yet. So that's, yeah, it's a bit of an unknown what's next. Um, I think if I do do another project, it probably won't be so much in that, the pocket of the worship stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it might be a bit more storytelling. Obviously faith is a very important thing to me. So that, that would always be a part of my songs, but I think maybe not in a, in that worship sense as such. Um, sure. so which is probably more my natural fit is to kind of have a bit more storytelling um, mm. side of it as well. So, yeah, I'd like to push into yeah, that. Yeah, that's cool. Mm. That kind of <clears throat> unleashes the, the creativity a bit more probably and mm. allows you to reach more people as well. Yep. But, yeah. Yeah, it sort cool. of opens up what you can do, you know. Yeah. That, um, yeah. yeah Very cool. The, so what, what would you say has been the hardest point of getting to where you're at now, getting this out and promoting in this, it? In this particular project yeah. or or just i guess even like the whole journey like mm. building up the confidence to go out and put something with your name on it and yep. be confident that people will will embrace it yep ah uh, yeah probably the a a tricky part of the process was working with this producer in in um, nashville like great writer great producer and i'd said to him Here's a challenge doing a mix the project as well. So actually mix all the tracks over there. He was like, yeah, cool. I've never done this before, but I'm willing to have a crack. And and he did it and did a great job. But 
I got the mixes back and I was like, they just weren't quite, I'm like, they're good, but they're not like radio quality yet. Right. And, and we kind of hit a wall. We did a bunch of revisions and I was like, it's just not zinging. So that was a hard call that I had to make when yeah. I got back to here to Melbourne. I was like, I think I need to invest again and just get the raw tracks from Tyler, the producer, mm-hmm. and then we'll mix them in a studio here with a guy who did all the compliments of Gus albums. So I'm talking like, big investment financially mm. to do that but it was the best call um, firstly because all things were sweet with Tyler that was the most important thing I didn't want to you know bust up a friendship or yeah. you know we'd done all this time together like um, making these touchy. songs <laughs> yeah yeah totally but he was so chilled about it and he was like no 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 you, you book me as a producer and that's the main thing and so he's absolutely produced these tracks but we just got them remixed and yeah so then went to Melbourne and and I was able to go and sit up in the studio in those sessions and, and just learn and ask the, the engineer what he's doing mm. and fascinating, like amazing. Just pull, pulls <laughs> apart the song and just crazy what, what goes into a, a good mix. And yeah, in, in the end, that was actually a really good experience for me to handle some hard conversations, but also to um, learn a bunch of stuff in the process. Mm. And um, so it's all that kind of stuff that you learn. You're like, okay, hindsight now, if I was doing do another project, I... I know what I would do different um, yeah. and what would do the same. So, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. It's like, <clears throat> I guess something where some people would think close enough is good enough, but then that, yep. there's that one thing that you don't want to skimp on, I guess. Yeah. It's like when someone gets married, it's like, you, I tell them like, pay for a good photographer because yes. that's the thing that you want to look back at. Mm-hmm. And mastering is probably the same thing. It's like, yeah. that's going to be the icing on the cake that makes the difference between radio and not radio. Yeah. Brilliant example, because it's like you can have cracker songs or great production, but if it's not close together, it's like a great wedding dress. But if no one gets to see it with a good photo, then it's <laughs> you know it's um, not quite there. You know, yeah. so it was very much that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, what would be your advice if anyone's out there they've been playing music for a bit and they want to do a bit of recording and, and see how they can go as far as releasing something? Because mm-hmm. you've got some experience with that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And from both ends of, of doing it myself from the bedroom studio, yeah. man, you can make some stuff sound good. Like, um, I'm getting better and better as I just keep learning. Is that the best um, place to start? Like, yeah, do it yourself, yeah. trial and error, that kind of thing? Yeah, and I think... spend some money. <laughs> totally, yeah. And, and write a bunch of songs. Like, you just write so many songs and there might be rubbish. Like, there's that many rubbish songs that I've written or parts <laughs> of songs. But you, you've got to do that to to keep fresh I think and and practice with production techniques and sounds and, and what you're enjoying play live gigs stuff like that and then yeah then then take it to a, a pro whether it's a producer or engineer or I don't know you've got, you've got to build your own team but yeah I think definitely do the like it's not it's 500 bucks and you could be set up at home with a you know if you've got a laptop then just grab a mic and an interface and away you go so you can't really lose out doing that <laughs> <laughs> it probably depends as well on the style of music like for something like this with you know that pop edge to it you probably need that extra layer of, of mastering but i don't know mm-hmm. if someone's doing something a bit more rocky or folky or bluesy do you think that it dif- mm. differs based on what you're trying to do yeah i think to a point like that more acoustic-y kind of stuff you mm. can pretty quickly get a good sound doing it yourself mm. really um and it, yeah and you can make demos sound great just acoustically but as soon as you start really locking in the layers you want a big fat sound it's you've got to you got to invest yeah. <laughs> to get that all right so i think we've covered a lot of good ground and uh it's been cool just to see like your own like discovery of, of this process because 
I'm sitting here thinking you've been playing music forever, you've been playing in front of people forever, you've been probably recording forever, but then even still, you've got a lot to learn from this past experience and probably mm. heaps to learn in the future as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Never stop learning. And yeah. that's all relationship. Everything comes down to relationship. I've definitely learned in this. Like the people that I've got around me, you know, like long-term friendships now and that is what keeps you in good stead. And mm. it's not just about the dollars you throw in front of someone or whatever. It's all about the way you treat people. Yeah. Um, 100% like, yeah. So I've learned that <laughs> very much as yeah. well. So, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So last question, which I ask everybody, oh, if, you could do, <laughs> if you could do anything and know you wouldn't fail, what would you do? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's a real, like, church retreat kind of question. There. Yeah, that's, like, getting deep, man. We could do anything that wouldn't fail. Man, I've, I have to say, I'm probably what I'm doing is, yeah. like, just really having a go, um, particularly at music stuff. I just mm. feel like that's what my, where my gift kind of lies, mm. and just pursuing that um, comes at a massive cost. But I'm like, whether it fails or not, I'm going to do it. So, yeah. um, But probably the Nashville thing, I've... For me, I was like, I feel like I need to go there or live there or spend mm. more time there, and maybe that's maybe that's that. <laughs> if it I sounds like fail. it sounds like you've got a girlfriend over there or something. I <laughs> <laughs> keep going back every year. Yeah, wow. Well. <laughs> Damn it, music. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it must be a place that just brings everything out of you from the sounds of it. Mm, yeah, I think so. Like yeah. a lot of learning, and so I've kind of pursued that. You know, looked at getting green cards and visas, yeah. but it's like it's so hard at the moment. Mm. Um. Yeah, so probably if I knew it wouldn't fail, I'd probably have a crack at that. Yeah. But it's scary as well, man. It's like, that's a scary thought to pack up and mm. to leave everything that's that you love here. And mm. so It's something that uh, until, you, until you do it, you'll probably be thinking that's what you need to do. Yeah, quite possibly. So, <laughs> so you may as well give it everything you got. Yeah. Right. Yep. Well, thanks for coming in, Nate. It's been great to catch up and, and hear Appreciate the it. kind of story behind the EP and everything that's happened leading up to it. Mm. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me, Jono. Thank you for listening and thanks to Audio Technica. You can catch Nathan on Facebook at facebook.com slash Nathan Plumridge. Tunes are also up on Spotify and iTunes, so make sure you support the Sustainer EP if you enjoyed what Nate had to say. The best way to support this podcast is to leave an iTunes rating and review. If you really want to get into the 8-Bit Network, you can head over to patreon.com slash weare8bit, that's A-T-E-B-I-T, and that's where your monthly pledges can pump up the 8-Bit Collective, help us hit our stretch goals as a podcast network. As always, you can follow me on social medias at Jono himself, and until next week, keep putting in work.